0: Welcome to the soul right before spring break. So, the few, the proud, I know. Uh, So, we're once again in Matthew chapter 5. So, if you have your Bible, you can turn to verses 27 to 32. If you don't have one, you can get one. Second shelf to the bottom over there. Matthew 5, 27 to 32. It's written up here on the board. That way, you've got no excuse. Bibles are over there. Passages on the board. Uh, What did, if you can remember this, what did we talk about last week? Or not last week, but last time we met, what did we talk about? Anybody? Um, not having unjust anger. Yes, good, unjust anger, right, good. Uh, if you remember also from last, last time we talked about it, right, Jesus began by saying, you've heard that it was said, you shall not murder. But then he also said, it's actually more than that. You remember me talking about the floor and kind of like the ceiling? Does anybody remember that idea? Yeah. Like, if the floor of the command is, okay, don't murder, there's much more that it means to be righteous and follow that command than just not that. It's also refraining from all unjust anger. This week is a hard passage. It's a hard passage not because it's hard to understand, actually, as we'll see, it's very clear, but because of what it's about. Because our passage tonight is about the seventh commandment adultery, lust, divorce, issues of sexuality. And when we hear that, it's uncomfortable. And we're tempted to do one of two things, I think. We're either tempted to, one, check out and not listen because it's uncomfortable, or two, to joke about it and laugh about it. Either way, because we're uncomfortable. Maybe we have some shame and some difficulty. But this passage is important. And just like refraining from murder is only the floor of what it means to be righteous when it comes to our anger, so not committing adultery is only, as we're going to see, the floor of what it means to be faithful, when it comes to our sexuality. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, is the word faithfulness. I want to think about I want us to think about the whole passage in terms of that word. It's also important to know that, like we've just been going through Matthew chapter 5, right? I'm not necessarily picking this passage, only that it's the next passage we're going through. And it's always good to look at God's word that way, because you're always going to come to things that are hard, always going to come to things that are difficult. But if you continue through it, it actually works together as a unity. So What does faithfulness look like in this passage? Would you stand as I read God's word for us? So Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than let your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. This is God's living and active word. Uh, let's pray. Father, would you help us tonight to listen to your word? Not to be distracted, uh, but give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. Would you help us to see the great love that you have for us, also the forgiveness that we have in Christ, and the plan you have for us when it comes to things of sexuality. Lord, help us to understand what it means to be faithful. We ask this in the name of your faithful son, Jesus. Amen. How can I have a seat. Has anybody ever heard the phrase before, I think, therefore, I am? Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Yes. Rene Good. Yes, Sam. I was going to ask who it was. Yeah, Rene Descartes. Yeah, like 17th century or so. Right? It was a big famous phrase. The idea was he was saying, I know I exist because I'm able to think about it, right? I'm able to have these thoughts. Even if I doubt my existence, that's a thought, so I exist, okay? And one of the things that it did was it defined people by their thoughts, right? If I think, therefore, I am, then my thoughts are what define me. Now, why am I telling you about some 17th century philosopher? Because today, it's not so much I think, therefore, I am, but it's I desire, therefore, I am. We have to understand this. This is just the way that we process things in the modern world. That's our default when it comes to issues of sex and sexuality. What do I want? And a lot of people will say, whatever you want must be good and you should pursue it. Many people are going to tell you that when it comes to these things. And yet, it doesn't matter who you are. All of us know that at times we have desires that aren't good and we shouldn't pursue. So which is it? Should we pursue them? Should we not pursue any of them? What do we do with our desires? Do we pursue them at all costs? Do we not? How do we figure this out, right? What Jesus is pointing to, I want us to see, is something deeper and more real than even the desires we think about when it comes to these things. He's giving us an opportunity and he's calling us into faithfulness. So tonight, I really just have two points. First, what is faithfulness? And second, what does it look like? So what is faithfulness, and what does faithfulness look like? So first, what is faithfulness? And let's see what Jesus says. Look at how he begins, verse 27. Look at the the passage with me. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Now, it's the same beginning as last time with anger, right? He does this, you've heard that it was said, but I said you. And now, anger, not murdering, is the sixth commandment. Now he comes to the seventh commandment. So he's just working his way down the list. Now, when we think of adultery, The first thing we think of is somebody who's married but is in a relationship with somebody who's not their spouse and that's a sexual relationship, right? But just like anger, the floor of the righteousness there is not murdering. So not committing adultery is only the floor of what it means to be faithful. Just because we can say, well, I don't think I've actually broken the seventh commandment doesn't mean we're off the hook when it comes to issues of faithfulness. Look what he says in verse 28. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So it's not just our actions. It's not just the actions of married people. Now he uses a a man example here, but it's for men and women. He's saying that everyone who looks at someone lustfully has committed adultery in their heart. Now, what does that mean? I think it actually helps us to know what the word lust is here in the the Greek. It's actually a word that means over-desire. Think about it that way. Whoever looks at somebody and over-desires them. So when you look at somebody and desire them in a way that you can't and shouldn't have them, that's an over-desire. And it's not that you're just looking at somebody and thinking they're attractive. That's not what it's talking about. But when you look at somebody and think, well, they're attractive, so... dot dot dot. Right? You begin to have these thoughts that are an over-desire in a way that you're not meant to. Now, talk about a high bar for faithfulness, right? Not just actions, not just words, but thoughts. So what can we do, right? How can we be possibly faithful? And so that's why Jesus says this in verses 29 and 30. He says this, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you'll lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Okay, does, does that make anybody uncomfortable? Anybody? Yes. Yeah, why? Why does that make you uncomfortable? I like having- Yes, we like having hands, we like having eyes. It's very, very strong language. And we know, we know what he's not saying, right? We all kind of understand. He's not literally saying to cut out your eyes and then cut off your hands. So what is he saying? That's the question, right? Now, when, when it says right eye and right hand, the right side was seen as the more important part. So he's saying these important things are worth getting rid of if in the end... We actually are in a the, in the good position. In the end, we avoid death. We avoid hell. Uh, has anybody heard the name Aaron Ralston? Has anybody ever heard that name? Uh, there was a movie called 127 Hours made about um, a part of his life. So he was a climber. And in 2003, he was climbing down in a canyon and he got his arm trapped under a boulder. And all he had were some Taco Bell burritos, okay? And some water. Taco Bell with him. That, that's what he had. So, but he was in that canyon for 127 hours, okay? And at some point along the way, he realized, at some point along the way, he realized the only way I'm getting out is if I cut off my arm. Okay? This is a true story. And so, with a dull pocket knife, he cut off his arm. But he knew, he's like, look, I don't want to do this. But if it means living, if it means getting out of this, because nobody was going to find him, right? So he does this so that he can live. Now, that brings Jesus' words into kind of a modern perspective, right? Jesus is saying, it's like that. (laughs) If this thing is causing you death, cut it off and throw it away no matter what it looks like, right? Now, we also know this that we just talked about. It. It's not just actions, but it's thoughts and desires, and Jesus knows this because he just said it. So, here's the problem though. Even if I cut off my eye or cut out my eye and cut off my hand, what about my heart and mind, right? I can't get rid of those, but the problems go all the way that deeply, don't they? And then Jesus pivots in this passage, which seems random, Right? So it's the idea of divorce, but we'll see it's not random. Look at me at these two verses, 31 and 32. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife makes her commit, er, sorry, excuse me, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So you've heard that it was said. Now he's referencing not one of the Ten Commandments, but a passage in Deuteronomy where Moses talks about a certificate of divorce. Now, I have to kind of give you some background on this. The reason why Moses said this in the Old Testament was two reasons. One, is actually to protect the woman, because that way she could say, hey, here's a certificate of divorce, you can see everything's above board, I'm in the right place doing the right thing, which is a protection. And two, is actually supposed to prevent divorce in the first place, because he was saying, if you've given a woman a certificate of divorce, you can't go back and remarry her. So he's saying, hey, you you should actually stay with her and remain faithful. But Jesus is saying, hey, in, in our day and age, you're using that for a reason it wasn't meant to be used. Actually, in Jesus' day, there were rabbis who said you could divorce your wife for all sorts of things. They said if you didn't like your, her cooking, you could divorce her. They said if you found somebody who was prettier than her, you could divorce her. Like t- Terrible things, right? Using this passage in ways it was never meant to be used. And, and Jesus is saying that's not what it's about, right? That's not what it was saying. He's, he's saying that's not what it's about. So Jesus saying, is saying the, sp- the call for spouses is the same call for everyone, which is a call to faithfulness, right? It's the same call. Only spouses are called to faithfulness to their spouse. That's also why the one exception for divorce is for the extreme unfaithfulness of adultery. So he's still talking about the same thing. He's still talking about faithfulness. One is not in the context of marriage, and one is. And Jesus is saying it's wrong to over-desire the wrong person But it's also wrong in marriage to under-desire the right person, your spouse. You see, the call of Jesus isn't to our desires in the moment, but rather to faithfulness. Now, it's not never your desires, as we know, but it's actually something more than just your desires. It's faithfulness. Think about the game we played tonight. We played four corners, right? Now, as somebody figured out pretty early, in the first game, which is the game that that I'm about to refer to, Corner one was never called. It was never called, right? And only two, three, and four were called. Now, all of them had those, uh, you know, corners two, three, and four had those starbursts on the chairs, so they were places you wanted to be, right? You had these small desires for starbursts, and you wanted to go get them, and you ended up in those corners. Now, did you actually rig it? Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. The first game I rigged it, yeah. So, here's the point, right? If I had told you at the beginning, hey, you can go to those corners if you want. They're going to have Starbursts, but one is never going to be called, right? And the only way to guarantee your shot at the Starbucks gift card is to stay in corner one. Most of y'all would stay in corner one, right? Because you know, yeah, I have this desire for these little things, but there is a bigger and greater desire I have, and there's something bigger at stake here, right? That's the same idea I think Jesus is getting at. He's saying, actually, you have these desires, yes, but there's stronger things and greater things, and there's a greater reward. Now, hear me out. That reward is not necessarily a perfect marriage or marriage at all. That's not necessarily the reward. The reward is the reward of faithfulness. It's following Jesus and what he has for you. And it's actually a heavenly reward. Turning back over to Matthew 5, we heard this earlier on the semester. Blessed are you and others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rewards, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Right? Talking about this heavenly reward for faithfulness. So, If that's what faithfulness is in issues of sexuality, the question is then, what does it look like for us? Now, it's easy to say, well, if you're married, that means sexual faithfulness with your spouse and no one else, right? But it's also important to note, the Bible actually gives a good and viable category of singleness. Jesus even says, like, for those that can hear that and those that can live out singleness, it's better that way. Paul writes later on in the New Testament, I wish everyone was single as I am. So actually, there is some people are called to singleness. So it's not just marriage, right? But there's faithfulness for those that are married, faithfulness for those that aren't married. But what about for you students, right? Because none of you students are married. Well, the call is to faithfulness, but not just in our actions, even in our words and even in our thoughts. And hear me out. It's not simply that our thoughts are bad because they might lead to bad actions. That's true, But these thoughts in and of themselves, Jesus is saying, are sinful. Those thoughts, even in and of themselves, are ways of breaking the commandment. So the first step, I think, for us is to recognize what it is we're doing when we have those thoughts. I think it's helpful if you look at somebody to say, actually, I'm over-desiring them. This is not what I should be doing, right? I have not been called to have that sort of relationship with them. Maybe I will in the future. I don't know what God has in store, but I know I have not been, so I need to not over-desire them. Now, it's hard because for so many of us, these things are subconscious at this point. And we have to make them conscious. We have to understand what we're doing. Take the time to know this is what I'm doing and I need to not do this. And it takes time, but we can rewire our habits. Now, what about random thoughts, right? Because there will be random thoughts that come across your mind. That that happens. We have sinful hearts and minds and that will happen. The question is not, will they come? The question is, what will you do with them? So, I love the way Martin Luther put it years, many, many years ago. He said, You can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building nests in your hair. Okay? Let me say that again. So you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, right? You have the thoughts that are going to come, but you can stop them from making nests in your hair, sitting there, abiding, you, you know, continuing to think about them. Uh, this also means when it comes to faithfulness, it's wrong to seek out pictures, videos, stories, and shows that help us over-desire the wrong people. that could be extreme cases, but it might be very, very small things. It might be very, very small things that don't seem bad, but you know if I go listen to this thing or watch this thing, I'm going to over-desire people, right? I'm going to desire people in a way that I shouldn't. So faithfulness is actually refraining from those things. So what do we do? Well, Jesus says to tear off your arm, to cut out your eye, and we said that's not literal, right? But... What we need to hear from that is you should remove things from your life that are pulling you down, that are dragging you down. In order to live a faithful life, there are things we have to cut off. Maybe it's an app on your phone. Maybe it's in a, a book series you like. Maybe it's having the computer in your room. Maybe it's a relationship that you shouldn't be in. There are things that we need to cut off for the sake of our faithfulness. So what do you need to do? I want you to think about that. What does that mean for you to live a faithful life? Now, the other thing I would urge you is not to seek out this alone. I want you to think about it this way. It sounds easy to say, yeah, don't do it alone, right? It sounds easy to say, tell somebody. But I want you to think about it this way. You're going to fight these things either way. You're either going to fight alone, and you're going to fight to make sure nobody finds out, or you're gonna fight with trusted people who can help you in your journey of faithfulness. People who have walked down that road before and know how to help. This can be your parents who love you and care about you. It could be a small group leader, right? But I want you to hear, no matter what your relationship is to these things, there is hope. Wherever you are is not the end of the road. But we have to come back again to the problem of our hearts, right? Because the problem is not our arms, the problem is not our eyes, the problem are our hearts and minds. And especially if we're feeling shame because of things we've done, we also have this kind of question of, can I actually be forgiven for these things? Because these are really, really strong words from Jesus, right? What about our unfaithfulness? And maybe this is something you don't struggle with. Maybe these issues aren't. But there's somewhere you've been unfaithful to God. Maybe it's not sexuality. Maybe it's other things. Maybe it's anger that we talked about earlier. All sorts of things. But I want you to hear this. The Bible story is a story about faithfulness and the faithfulness of God from cover to cover. In the Old Testament, God's people, Israel, is unfaithful. He actually compares them in the Old Testament to an unfaithful spouse, just things we've been talking about tonight. He says, they've been unfaithful to me. But there's also a prophecy in in the Old Testament of a new heart, of removing the heart of stone from our flesh and giving us a heart of flesh. And that's what we need, right? We need a new heart. And you see that Jesus, the very one who spoke these words in Matthew 5, he is the fulfillment of both those things. He is the faithful spouse. He's called the faithful bridegroom in the New Testament that all of marriage actually points to. You see, he was faithful to us even when we were and even when we are unfaithful to him. He was faithful to us even to go to his own death. right? The death that we deserve for our unfaithfulness, for all of our sinful actions, he took upon himself. And instead of that death for us, through his death, we die with him to those things, and we're actually given new life. Just as he was raised from the dead, we have a powerful hope of resurrection even now in our bodies. That we will one day live with him fully, and we will be gone. all these temptations will be gone from our hearts and minds. But even now, the Spirit is at work in us to make us new, even as we fight against these things. I want to close with something that's probably familiar to all of you: the first Harry Potter book, right? Maybe you've read it, maybe you've seen the movie, right? Uh, You know that uh, Harry is trying to save the Sorcerer's Stone from Voldemort and Professor Quirrell getting it, right? And so he goes, he goes to try to go, he goes through all of those different traps and all those different rooms to try to find it, and he meets Quirrell with spoilers, Voldemort on the back of his head, in front of the Mirror of Erised, right? Now, what does the Mirror of Erised do? Those of you that know, what does it do? Yes. Yes, it shows you your greatest desire, right? And this is maddening for Quirrell and Voldemort because Professor Quirrell is there. He sees himself holding the stone but doesn't know how to get it, right? And yet Harry looks at it and he sees himself pull the stone out of his pocket and put it back in. And then all of a sudden, the stone appears in his pocket. He doesn't even know how it happens, right? And eventually, by the power of love, as many of you know, he's able to defeat Professor Quirrell and and Voldemort. And then he's asking Dumbledore, like, how did I get the stone? right? And Dumbledore says, only the person who wanted to look into the mirror, not to use the stone, would get it. So did you catch that? The one who wanted to to use it, the one who over-desired this thing, to use it for their own will, their own desire, would look into it and never get it, never get the thing they actually want. But the one who wanted to save it, to protect it, to be faithful with it, they would be the one that would actually get it. And that was the trick, that was why Harry ended up with it in the first place, because he didn't overdesire it, he wanted to use it well and actually protect it, not even use it himself, but give it to the one whose it was. And that's our call as Christians when it comes to issues of sexuality. There's a lot of things that people will say. There's a lot of things that you're gonna hear. But our call is faithfulness. Because it can be a great gift, and it's meant to be that way. But it's really difficult to live that out. It's really difficult to live faithfully. But that's our call. And we can do that not by the power of ourselves, not even by the power of us as a collective group, but only by the power of the resurrected Christ, who lived a perfectly faithful life, who died for us, and even now gives life to our mortal bodies, and one day will ultimately raise us up new and perfectly with him. And you know when it talks about that, when it talks about us being raised up? It talks about a wedding feast, the ultimate wedding feast. And it talks about the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. So all of these things are only and ever ultimately filled in Christ and in the time to come. But our call now, wherever we are, whatever relationships we're in now, whatever relationships we will be in is faithfulness by Christ's power. Faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, faithfulness is such a high bar. And we know that we are unfaithful be it in the issues of sexuality or be it in other things, Lord. We are not always faithful to you as we ought to be. Lord, help us to know that we are forgiven because of your great love for us that you showed us in Christ through his death. Lord, also give us hope, that same hope that raised him from the dead, that same spirit is in us, Lord. So give us hope that you are not done with us, that you will help us as we seek to live this out. Also give us courage and confidence to pursue this fight for faithfulness with one another, not just alone. Uh, And Lord, would you help us to get... To, to catch a desire for that heavenly vision of the ultimate marriage that is to come. Help us to have our eyes fixed on that even as we face the difficulties of the here and now. Lord, would you be our God and would we be your people, your people of faithfulness, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.